0: You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on into Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated, for various SEC related things, but on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics on today's episode of locked on Kentucky going to finally talk about Kentucky's matchup with the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Kentucky announced they will be scheduling a home and home with the Bulldogs. It's been a few days. We haven't really gotten to talk about it. I've been under the weather, so we're going to finally talk about it here. We're really going to focus on Kentucky's loaded Non conference slate. We're also going to talk a little football. College football is getting closer and closer every single day, guys. Going to talk Will Levis and ask the question can he actually take the next step this season? Because it looks like there could be a couple of things holding him back. From truly realizing his potential, at least I think from a statistical standpoint, going to get to that later, and then finally, going to briefly touch on Kentucky's matchups in the Bahamas, and then on tomorrow's show, we are going to talk about things that we want to see from the Wildcats. Before we actually get into this Kentucky-Gonzaga matchup, and I'm just going to kind of talk about my thoughts about that in the non-conference slate, I want to ask you guys a question. First of all, really appreciate you watching. Thank you so much for making Locked on Kentucky your first listen every single day. What do you want to see out of Kentucky in the Bahamas? I want you to go ahead. If you're listening on podcast, hit me on the socials at LockedOnUK. Go and answer the question. What do you want to see out of Kentucky during the Bahamas? If you're watching on YouTube, just leave a comment. It's that simple. I want to know what you guys want to see. Maybe it's an individual player. Maybe it's offensively seeing some new things. Maybe it's seeing players from this past season uh, maybe take some shots that they weren't taking last year, see if they're comfortable with that. I don't know what it is, but I want you to tell me what you want to see out of the Wildcats. I've got some thoughts, but I want to hear your you, uh, you guys' thoughts as well. Kentucky, scheduling a home-and-home with the Gonzaga Bulldogs. The two teams will meet in Spokane, on September 20th, this was announced during Kentucky's open practice. Guys, they raised so much money for the flood re- relief efforts uh, over in eastern Kentucky. A phenomenal job uh, from the fan base and really, really appreciate anybody that went to the link that we have put here on the show. Uh, the donation link that we put here on the show. Really appreciate any, anybody that went and donated to that. I'll leave the link. In the description, again, on today's episode, would highly encourage you guys to go do that. But during this open practice where Kentucky was donating or raising money for the uh, flood relief efforts, Mark Few pops on the big screen, uh, starts talking to Coach Cal, and Coach Cal's like, you know, how's, how's, a, uh, how's a matchup this, uh, this fall sound? And, he, and Mark's like, that's great. I, I believe Few, Coach Few was on a boat uh, just hanging out it was really really funny just the way that they had everything and the pacing of it all but yeah Spokane November 20th that will be the first matchup it will be a home and home scheduling for the Wildcats Kentucky for those of you that don't know has only ever played Gonzaga once it was an 80-72 win in the Maui Classic Invitational back in 2002 It's all in good fun, you know, just kind of the way that things kind of played out, the way that Kentucky kind of set it up. It was really, really exciting for the fan base to kind of get that game actually on the schedule. It's something that we've talked about here on the show before, talking about non-conference matchups that you guys would want to see. Gonzaga was a name that was thrown out there frequently. This is going to be a lot of fun. And Coach Cal had some interesting thoughts uh, about this, and I'm going to read a direct quote here from him. And again, this is this is a few days old, so if you've already seen this, forgive me, but I'm going to give you my perspective on it, uh, and I, I think that it kind of differentiates between some other per- perspectives out there. This is what Coach Cal said. I'm excited about playing Gonzaga. I'm disappointed that we have to go there first, but to make it happen, I was willing to do that. Playing in th- front of 13,000 crazy fans in Spokane Arena will be exciting, just like it will be in front of 22,000 fans interrupt next year. I imagine there will be some Big Blue Nation and some Gonzaga fans who will look to sneak in the game this year because there's more seats. Anybody that wants us to play in a 6,000 seat facility wants us to lose, and I get that. I tried to look back and find the last time Kentucky played a true regular season road game with 6,000 or fewer fans. I stopped looking after the 70s. This is a gr- this is great for both schools, and I can't wait to get the series started. Maybe we make this four years. Uh, to in response to that very last bit, yes, absolutely. I think we should make this four years. I think a lot of college football fans, in, or excuse me, college basketball fans in general, period, would love to see that. Outside of of Bulldog and Wildcat fans, I think everybody would love to see that. But the interesting note here: Kentucky will not be playing at Gonzaga's home arena. They will be playing. They won't be playing in the Kennel. They'll be playing in Spokane Arena, which holds about thirteen thousand. I think it's a little under thirteen k, if I'm not mistaken. The Kennel holds 4,000. I wanted to make a couple of points here. Actually, a a trivia question to you guys. When do you think the last time Kentucky played in a sub-6,000-seat crowd and lost? Not regular season, just period. When was the last time that happened? If you know off the top of your head, if you're already in the YouTube comments putting this out there, if you said Robert Morris in the first round of the NIT back in 2013, you would be correct. 59 to 57 loss free throws into that game those of you who know no that was also uh a really, really really tough game but what also was it was a tough game uh, something I want to point out here is that you know the last time Kentucky stepped on a court period to play an official game we lost to a school that has a gym that holds a max capacity of 3200 so maybe we shouldn't be flexing wins over smaller crowds maybe we shouldn't be saying we're going back to the 70s to find these things but but maybe we should be flexing that but Cal does make a good point. Playing in Spokane, period, will be fun. Playing in Rupp Arena against what will definitely, well, I wouldn't say definitely, it almost certainly will be a top 10, top 5 matchup this year and next season. Man, it's really, really great that they finally got this on the schedule. Two really, really good programs. Well, one of them much better than the other, but two two really, really good teams, and it's going to be a lot of fun, like I mentioned, not just for Wildcat and Bulldogs fans, but also for college basketball as a whole. And you look at Kentucky's non-conference slate. I ranted so much last season during the non-conference slate about how I thought that the games that Kentucky was playing was not setting themselves up, not setting the Wildcats up for success in conference play. And Kentucky had a good season in conference play, but there were moments early on in the SEC slate. You You look at specifically, I think that game is against LSU where it's like, not a whole lot in the non-con slate prepared us for this moment, and when whenever we got opportunities in the non-con, we didn't really adjust, and so here we are now. We're struggling early, offensively at least, and it was a problem. Look at this non-conference slate: you play Duquesne, you play Michigan State in the Champions Classic, North Florida at Gonzaga, you play at home against Bellarmine, Bellarmine, excuse me, you play in London against Michigan. You play against UCLA in the CBS Sports Classic, Louisville, and you get Kansas in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Look at that. Gonzaga, Michigan State, Michigan, UCLA, Louisville, and Kansas. That is what I want to see from the Wildcats. That is what they're capable of beating. I don't care if fans out there may say, oh, that's a game that we could potentially lose. Who cares if it's a loss? In the non-conference slate. If it's close, if it's competitive, you know what you do. You take notes and you regroup and you run through the SEC having played a game against a much tougher opponent than you may see on average in conference play. You prepared yourself to set yourself up for success in the future, win or lose. And if you win that game, it's a phenomenal resume booster. Again, Michigan State, Gonzaga, Michigan, UCLA, Louisville, Kansas. Those are great, great, great non-conference schedulings. And I cannot wait to see what Kim Palm says about the the non-conference strength of schedule. It's got to be top 25 at least. Just looking at that right there, I mean, it's got to be top 25 at least. Really, really excited that Kentucky is putting themselves in a position to play tough competition early so that they can play and win tough games late in the season. That's what we're looking for here. All right. I want to talk about Kentucky football for a little while. I want to talk about Will Levis and ask the question, can he take the next step next season? Before I do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at betonline.net. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. You can find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information, from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. You can head to BetOnline today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, continuing along here on the Monday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Daw here with you. Will Levis, Kentucky quarterback, been receiving a ton, and I mean a ton, of preseason hype. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about it here on the show. There's a lot of mock drafts out there that think this kid's going first overall. Uh, there's a lot of mock drafts that think he, that he's a first-round selection, period. Um, well, not a lot of mock drafts out there saying he's going first overall. A select few thinks he, think he's going number one. Uh, but there's a consensus out there that Will Levis is a first-round quarterback. And so the concern has been some of the pushback by some other national media, and we got to talk to a lot of them at SEC Media Days, was, you know, Will Levis is in a situation where we don't really know if he can take the next step. I don't think his surroundings are going to allow him to do that. And even if they did, is he really that good of a quarterback? Well, I want to dive into it today. And I want to say right here off the top, I don't know if there's going to be as much progression as some mocks and predictions out there think. And a lot of it, like these other national media guys that I've been speaking with, it, a, a lot of it is not Will Levis' fault. Kind of, there's, there's two camps right now is that he is going to be great. And there's a camp that believes, you know, there's, there's a lot of things outside of his control that isn't going to allow him to be great. And in my, my opinion, I think specifically it's statistically. I think if you watch this kid play... There's a lot to like about his game, not just because he's a physical freak. After going and watching some All-22, after going and watching on YouTube, listening to what quarterback coaches have had to say about this kid, watching some more film, taking some notes, I want to go through what I've seen from Will Levis. I want to talk about what makes him a good quarterback, not for the NFL, but for Kentucky this season. Footwork, I think, is one of the most important things that I've noticed about Will Levis. I've made my way down to an SEC school's practice, not going to name the school, but I've made my way down to their practice, their fall camp practice, a few times over the past few days. And one of the things that bothered me a lot about their starting quarterback, or, or, or rather um, their, their projected starter, was his footwork. His footwork wasn't good. He was very, very toesy. What I mean by that is he bounced or shifted back and forth between his feet on, on the balls of his feet, and, and he didn't have a consistent base when he was throwing the ball. Whenever you don't have a consistent base you aren't able to get all of your weight into your throws. Not having a strong base in the pocket makes it really, really difficult. Uh, to. Uh, it makes it where a quarterback has to rely too much on his upper body strength, especially when he's trying to drive the ball downfield. It can lead to inaccuracy. It can leave the leaving throws short. You've got to be able to actually use your hips, use your lower body, and put everything together to become more consistent. You need to be able to have your cleats in the ground whenever you're going to drive balls downfield. And I think Kentucky, this year in their offense— is going to be a run to set up the play-action type of offense. They're still, I think, going to be taking some shots downfield. Uh, I think you're going to see Will Levis try without Wanda Robinson, which we'll talk about him in a little bit. I think you're going to see him still make throws downfield with consistent accuracy. But what I love here from Will Levis is he has a consistent base. He has really, really sound footwork 90% of the time. It's great for a college quarterback. Love the footwork from Will Levis. Probably one of the most impressive things I've seen from him on film. The second thing that I want to note here, and actually I'll, I'll note two here, and they kind of go hand in hand, fluidity and athleticism. When you watch Will Levis on tape, you don't see him out of sync a ton. Even whenever he's making bad decisions, he threw that pick six against Tennessee. He's not out of rhythm. He's not jagged. He's not like uncomfortable. He's fluid in everything that he does. And then the athleticism, and this is something that I've seen other quarterback coaches and different people point out, you won't see a lot of design runs for Will Levis, but whether it is or it's not designed, he does a phenomenal job on run plays of getting where he needs to and finishing the play. You saw that against LSU, you saw it against Tennessee, you saw it against Louisville, in those three games in particular. He's really, really good at getting downhill and finishing runs, whether that be around over or through defenders, we got to see in those three games all three of those different things. He's not afraid of contact, and he's not easy to bring down. You love the athleticism and just the presence in the pocket. He's very, very fluid, very, very comfortable. A negative here, a slight negative here. Timing, I think, is something that I've noticed about Will Levis that I don't particularly like uh, on some of his uh, intermediate to deep throws. He, He does something that you like your quarterbacks to be able to do which is progress through reads, right? He's able to go for one, two, three, and then come back to two if he needs to, or take the third or look at the first and take it. He's really, really good at progressing and staying calm in the pocket. But something that he does is sometimes he takes a hit late, or he runs through reads a little too slowly, and he'll end up getting a throw to a spot where it's not on time, but there could have been a potential play made. And so that's kind of my concern this season. We're going to talk about playmakers in just a second is can he kind of work through things quicker now that he's in a second year in an offense that while he doesn't have his OC, but it's an offense that's very similar to what he had, uh, almost identical to what he had last year. Can he kind of build on that, work through things a little bit quicker? Timing was something that I saw in Levis's tape, and it wasn't a struggle most of the time. I mean, he's made some really, really good throws that were on time and downfield, but there, it was the occasional thing where it's just like, okay, that's why he threw an interception here. That's why this ball almost got picked off. That's why this play ended the way that he did, it, the way that it did. I'm not saying that the play calling was always perfect. I, I definitely think you saw some examples last year of some confusing plays by by um, by Kentucky at different times in, in games where they didn't necessarily need to run what they ran, but timing, getting throws to where they need to be whenever the opportunity Presents itself. Reliance on playmakers with a question mark is something that I put here. So Kentucky had Wandale Robinson last year. All of you know that. He is gone. All of you know that. I think that Kentucky's receiver core is probably from a from a star perspective, like a star rating perspective. And when you look at these kids on paper, I mean Mark Stu said this to me directly at, at SEC Media Days. It's probably the most talented receiving core he's had with the Wildcats but it's also one of the youngest. And the, with the departure of such a strong presence in Wandell Robinson gives me questions about this year's passing game, it gives me pause about whether or not Levis can really take the next step. And, you know, Robinson was the best receiver Kentucky's had in a very, very long time. And I, I say receiver, not athlete. I, say, I mean receiver. I know that some of you are going to say Lin Bowden. I'm not talking about an athlete. Bowdoin was an athlete. He could do a lot more than just catch a ball. I'm talking receiver. Wandale was the best receiver Kentucky has had in a very, very long time. So the question here is, was there a reliance on that last year? Was that something that Levis leaned on? Was that why he his stat line was as uh, respectable as it was, I guess at least for, for a Kentucky quarterback? And will he have to make more plays individually himself? Will he have to throw guys open more often this year? Will he have to be what I like to call the truck in the offense? And this is not my analogy. I can't remember whose analogy this is, but you look at a quarterback, a really, really good one, will be the one driving the offense and making everything around it better and pushing things forward. He is the truck. There are some quarterbacks out there, that are incapable of making plays themselves or making other guys around them better. They are the trailers on the offense. The rest of the offensive pieces around the quarterback are having to drag him forward as he is the trailer instead of the truck. I think Will Levis is a truck, both physically and in in, in, in this, in this uh, analogy, in this sense, I think he is a truck. But it's going to be interesting to see how much or how much he can truly pull the rest of the receiving core and the passing offense along with him. I'm gonna, it's, I'm gonna be fascinated to see how he handles things whenever the pressure's on him and he has to make something happen instead of being just a game manager, if you will. And that's actually something I want to talk about here real quick. The run game. I think the run game kind of helps him, allows him to. Step into situations in certain in certain uh, game packages and situations where he can make easier throws, where he can have more opportunities to do different things because his run game is going to set him uh, set him up for success. Chris Rodriguez, Cavassier Smoke, Ramon Jefferson, the transfer from Sam Houston State, D. Beckwith, the six foot five, two thirty running back transfer from Tennessee. Six foot five two thirty. That's in Kentucky's backfield this year. Those guys are going to be able to help him out. And I think the passing game is going to benefit from from that. But again, got a lot of really young receivers. It's just a a huge question for me. And so the final thing I want to point out here that I've noticed about Levis and the offense period is the offensive line play. Kentucky was sixth in the SEC and sacks allowed per game last season. You look at the PFF numbers, the pro football focus numbers, Kentucky's offensive line in 2021 had a 76.1 average pass block grade. Something else I want to note here. Three players had over an 80 pass block grade. That's really good. That's good. That's really, really good. Two of those guys from that offensive line are back that had a 76 or that had a a really, really good pass block grade. And one of them had a 58.7 pass block grade. Eli Cox, the center was not good in pass protection according to pro football focus. So you look at Kentucky's offensive line, while there are only two guys back that had a really, really good grade you run down the the pass block list. DeAndre Buf- Buford at left tackle had a 71 pass block grade. That's not bad. Kenneth Horsey, 80.2. Eli Cox, 58.7. That is bad. Auburn transfer Tayshawn Manning, who I believe is going to start at left guard, 76.6, or right guard, one of the two. 76.6 pass block grade, and then Jeremy Flax didn't have a PFF grade last year, period. But that the, the, the offensive line, I think, is going to be similar to last season's. I don't think it's going to be worse. I think it's going to be similar or slightly better. So I don't think offensive line play is going to be a huge concern here. I don't think that that is going to hold him back. It's just the receivers are so young, and you've got a veteran quarterback that is trying to make his way to the elite ranks of college football. And there are a lot of people out there, a lot of media out there saying he's going to be the next best thing. He's going to be a first-round quarterback After doing a little bit of research and thinking about it and talking to other people, I don't know if he is going to be able to get to that point, not because of his own capability, but because of the surroundings and what he is having to deal with around him. I just don't know if he's going to be able to get there, at least to the extent statistically that some people think he is going to get to. You also have to think about the turnovers, most in the SEC, or most interceptions in the SEC last season, can he work on that? I believe he can. I think, and this is not me saying, just to be clear, this is not me saying that I don't think he's going to progress. I think he is. I think he's going to be a better version of himself. I just don't think it's going to be this massive leap forward, this massive step forward, specifically when you look at his numbers, I think he's going to come out of this season and people are going to say, oh, well, it's the same old Will Levis, or oh, maybe he got a little bit worse because he's not throwing the ball downfield as good or or something like that. But I think when you go and watch his film, you'll see a better quarterback. You'll see somebody that can get through reads quicker. You'll see somebody that is still insanely athletic. I think you'll see his timing work better. I just don't know if it's going to be as big of a jump as some people might think. Also, one more thing I want to point out here. Actually, you know what? Let's go ahead and pause here for a second. First, in a minute, actually, I want to talk about Kentucky's trip to the uh, Bahamas. Before I get to that, though, and some more uh, Kentucky football notes, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at LinkedIn. As the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier for you to grow your team. LinkedIn helps you find the people you want to interview faster, and it's all for free. You can create a free job post in minutes over on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. So you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs. Number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, wrapping up the Monday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Dahl here with you. Before I get to the Bahamas matchups and just kind of briefly discussing that, I, there are a couple things I want to point out. Some more things I want to point out about Will Levis. On paper, he does not have the playmakers that he had at receiver a year ago. But I also want to leave this up to possibility i don't want to just say kentucky's receivers are young therefore they're going to stink like mark stoops said i will reiterate myself it's the most talented receiving core that kentucky has had in a while there's opportunity for these guys to shine there's opportunity for these guys to really step up we don't know who knows they could be good dane key may be much better than anticipated chris lewis may be much better than anticipated you know, it's a shame that Kentucky missed out on Javon Baker. They've got a transfer from Virginia Tech and Tavian Robinson. He's got a lot of experience. There's reason to believe that this could be a much better unit than people out there actually project, including myself. So who knows? We'll have to see. Also, the other thing I want to point out, if we're talking here about, like, Levis on tape struggling, I'm not talking from a, from a stat standpoint. I'm talking just on tape watching him week to week and saying, man, he's just not gotten better. I want you to look at Kentucky's schedule with me real quick and tell me what the second most difficult defense he will face is outside of Georgia. What's the second best defense he's going to face? Kentucky plays Miami of Ohio, Florida, Youngstown State, Northern Illinois, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Missouri, Vanderbilt, Georgia, and Louisville. Outside of Georgia... I could only assume that Mississippi State is the second best defense he's going to face just based off experience and, and the production that they had last year. But that game's at home. And, you know, I like Kentucky's chances in that matchup. So, yeah, I, I think that, uh, I think you look at this this schedule, it's the easiest in the SEC according to ESPN's FPI. Veteran quarterback taking on the lightest schedule in the conference. There's opportunity for him to shine. Also, something I want to point out, I apologize about this. I kept saying whenever I was doing a schedule breakdown a few episodes ago, I kept saying Northern Iowa, I believe, instead of Northern Illinois. Uh, That is on me. It was funny because I was literally looking at the schedule in front of me and it was literally said on the screen, Northern Illinois. uh, And I guess I kept saying Northern Iowa. So I apologize for that. I swear I am not blind. Kentucky basketball, going to wrap things up here with uh, with with uh, some K- Kentucky basketball. Game times and matchups for Kentucky's trip to the Bahamas. It's been announced Wednesday, August 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern. The Wildcats will take on the Dominican Republic national team. We already knew this; these matchups were coming, but now times have been out, and it's going to be on SEC Network. I'm just really excited about it. I wanted to discuss it here. So Wednesday, Dominican Republic U22 national team. So that's kids all 22 or younger for the, the uh, Dominican Republic Thursday, same time, 7 Eastern, versus the Monterey Tech team, that is a uh, team from Mexico, Saturday, August 13th, so it's Wednesday, Thursday, take a break Friday on Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern. The uh, Carleton University uh, basketball team, Kentucky, will take on, in that team's from Canada, made their way down, I guess, to the Bahamas as well. Uh, then Sunday, August 14th at 12 p.m. Eastern, Uh, Kentucky will take on the Bahamas National Team. So the team native to the land. The Bahamas National Team is the final game. So again, Wednesday, Dominican Republic, Thursday, Monterey Tech, Saturday, Carleton University, and then Sunday, the Bahamas National Team. Those games are at 7 Eastern, 7 Eastern, 6 Eastern, and 12 Eastern. All four of those games are on SEC Network. We're going to be breaking down those games and talking about what we saw out of the Wildcats. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think for me personally, we're going to talk about this uh, in depth, like in depth and depth on tomorrow's show. I think for me personally, just right off the bat, I'm looking for more consistent shooting from outside the arc, and I'd love to see Antonio Reeves get going. And then speaking of Antonio Reeves, I want to see Kentucky find a player that can create for himself an isolation that can handle the ball. You know, we had Ty Ty Washington last year as that guy occasionally – Kentucky's not had somebody like that in quite some time. So looking for better shooting, and we're going to talk about the guys that could knock down that three ball for the Wildcats, and a player that can create an isolation. That's kind of what I'm looking for off the bat. We're going to preview individual players on tomorrow's show. But the question I asked at the uh, top of the episode, I want to ask you guys here again before we, we head out. What do you want to see from the Wildcats during their four games in the Bahamas? Do you want to see better shooting? Do you want to see more consistency on offense as a whole, even though it was the one, one of the most efficient teams in the nation last year? Do you want to see new sets? Do you want to see a five-out offense? Do you want to see a zone defense? Do you want to see Oscar Sheebway shoot threes from the logo? Whatever it may be, leave it in the YouTube comments, or you can hit me on the socials at UK, And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You can follow me on Twitter, at Daw underscore. You can follow the show on Twitter, like I just mentioned, at LockedOnUK, and you can follow the show on Instagram. That is over at Kentucky Podcast. I will see you all tomorrow to talk more about Kentucky's trip to the Bahamas. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless.